You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two, five, ten, or twenty-five dollars and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Digital noise has always been here. We've been watching, waiting, preparing you for the way. The way. This is this is the way. This is the way. Why are you doing that voice? What voice? That that voice. This is just how I talk, right? Oh God, I'm I so sorry. Like this now. Was it was it all the 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 talking? It was all the, the talking. It's all the talking. The whiskey you, and the whiskey just letting you yeah. like, hey, how's it going? That and exhaustion from and exhaustion. some of the movies that we have to watch. Uh, I mean, this stuff isn't so bad. No. Okay, and thank you for joining us on Digital Noise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this stuff isn't so bad. Like, I just did a show with John Golson, and I felt so bad because, like, almost not quite everything, but almost everything was fucking terrible. You tell me this, and the thing is, you told me some of the movies that you uh, that you had him watch, and I'm like, well, that seems awesome. And you're uh, wrong. I'm yeah. not wrong. I do a show, Trash in the Can, on one of us.net, um, that watches those types of movies. Yeah, but these were even past your limits, I think. Ooh. I don't know. You have to listen challenge. to that particular show. That's it, episode 301. This is episode, I think, 302. I'm never on the, the, the 300s. Sorry, okay. Aaron was on 300, and I'll tell you. Bullshit. Yeah, we well, didn't even make a Sparta joke. I can't believe it. What we did on mine. I know. This is a dumb dumb show. (laughs) I'm Chris Cox. Joining me is Wright Sulek. Hello. Who is correct. This is a dumb show. But but we really, we we like getting physical copies of stuff home release. And honestly, I know we're in a streaming world. Everybody's like, well, why do I need physical copies of streaming? Well, if you've never gotten into like, like, oh, I want to own this forever and bought digital copies, then maybe you're not familiar with the fact that like there's a post, there's script that comes with buying a digital copy that says, uh, we take no responsibility for if we decide suddenly to stop carrying this, which has happened many times. Yeah. It's like, oh, you no longer own it. I don't care how much you paid for it. That's correct. Digital copies are, are not the way to go. They're nice to have. They're a nice little sideline, but fucking physical media is where it's at in in the end because I think yeah. that like you and I come from a, a a time when you know Blockbuster and at least here in Austin I love video and I Heart video or uh, Waterloo video and Vulcan all these places like well this is the place to actually watch movies because yeah. we didn't have your Netflix your Hulu's your HBO Max there was you no streaming nerds with fucking your streaming Generation Z or whatever the fuck you're I don't know what the fuck I'm I'm a millennial technically but uh, wow. I was like so fuck you too that look I'm on the cusp <laughs> I'm not ancient. 
like right. you. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> so like uh, uh, back in the day, we watched a train coming at the scream and uh, and then jumped up and freaked out. <laughs> I threw up. Uh, I I still enjoy watching physical media because one, I have still a lot of of Blu-rays and mainly Criterion now, mm-hmm. and uh, and luckily enough, I never watch them except for Digital Noise, only on mm-hmm. OneOfUs.net. <laughs> we do cover a lot of Criterion. We cover a lot of like now the prestige format for uh home releases has become a big thing because yeah. honestly even the big film companies for their major releases don't even bother putting out blu-rays of some of their stuff anymore 4ks or, or at least any kind of supplemental features because i know the kids love that yeah um but th- with cinephiles or people who really do love the movie that they who take the time to buy it and then the studio is not releasing any kind of bi- uh, behind the scenes stuff or just anything it's else you're just pocket, like it's now a pocket industry of, of companies like synapse and, yeah. and arrow and oh, vinegar you, syndrome vinegar syndrome who that's what they do they take these old titles and they're like okay we, we bought them we like going to go and film new stuff we're gonna find everything that exists out there yeah that's there i love that i love still being a part of this mm-hmm. i think that's that's kind of exciting there's stuff that i have that people were like oh sadly you can't find it anymore it's totally like out of print unavailable i'm like no it's not because I've got it. <laughs> it's like, you should watch this. Like, oh no. I remember my dream at one point. I remember like in nineties going like, if I could live anywhere, it would just be in a video store. I would just set a bed up in the back and I'd Dude. just be like, live in a video store. And now I basically do live in a video. Store. May I tell a little story before we move on? Because that is a funny little thing that you just said, because way, way long ago when I was 17, I was in Plano, Texas and my buddy and I were like, man, we should rent some porn. And like, yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> back when people rented porn, <laughs> yeah, that, every, that sentence is a very old fashioned sentence. Yeah. Uh, so I, we, I don't know how we did this, but we found like, did some research online, which I guess was Ask Jeeves. And I was like, where can you rent porn in Plano, Texas? <laughs> and so we found a place that was actually right down the street from our high school. We're like, fuck, we got to go. So, uh, we, we go to the place, this little strip mall. I have no idea what the place is called. Uh, but we, uh, we're walking up to it and like, okay, we're both, the, and my buddy and I, I love him to death. His name's Brandon. Uh, not the brand I was telling you about. Yeah, right. different brand. Uh, different brand. I had a lot of Brandons. And, uh, and the Brandon, um, <laughs> uh, we were walking. I was like, okay, we're going to both walk in and we're just going to play it cool. And, you know, we're just going to see what the porn Most is. Most people have this experience with buying alcohol for right. It was, it was porn. porn. <laughs> <laughs> so we walk out of the door and I open it up and he literally pushes me in and just runs away. Are you serious? Yes. Cause he was so embarrassed about the whole experience. And so I, I get pushed and I was like, oh, hello. And, uh, you just give it the first thing after you like, do you? have debbie does dallas no no so he does i I, look for being a 17 year old i was cool okay okay i mean i know you now so it tracks right and so Mm, that's not where i was going so the owner was like hey how's it going i was like pretty good it's like hey so uh what's the deal here it's like oh well here's like new releases right there and uh and oldies right here and uh an adult in the back i was like oh okay Where's adult again? And, uh, and he's like, Oh, it's back there. He's like, okay, thanks. And I was like, I just like beeline straight to this like curtain. Of course. And, always uh, the curtain. Always the curtain. And I walked through it and, and then it was actually kind of a big setup of porn. But here's why I think it's funny mentioning this now and what you're talking about, like living in a video store. Let me tell you, it's not that glamorous because as soon as I walked in that little like area of a, like a porn treasure trove, um, there was a mattress 
right what? there in front of me. I was like, oh my God. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And then I had, because you had to step on it to go further into the aisles. What? Yeah. It was like it wedged in the aisles. That's like, what? weird. Oh yeah. And so then all of a sudden I hear Brandon come in and say, hey, what's good? You have porn? And uh, he's like, yeah, it's in the back. And he comes in and we were just like dying laughing. I was like, what the fuck is that? Why is there a bed in here? It's like, I don't know. It's like, do you want to read anything? It's like, ah, this house is really gross. Like, okay, let's go. And so- I, we were leaving and then he was like, Oh, do you like, well, here's the deal. You could rent like two new movies and all these things or adults movie and all, you can do anything you want. It was like, give you a great deal. I'm like, okay. And so I think I got a membership because I just like did it out of awkwardness. You're just like, I don't want to get arrested. So I better pay for a membership. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Don't live in a video store, kids, no matter what Chris Cox. Well, maybe you live in a video store that doesn't have a curtained porn room with a mattress in the back. I'm just saying. I mean, like, there why? were well, most video stores were not like that. I know, but why else would you want to sleep in the video store I unless ju- you can okay. crank it out right there, man? I, I mean, yes, but like you pull your cot out. You get the thing where you pull it out of the wall, you know. Like a little uh, Murphy bed? Yeah, Murphy bed. Yeah. You know, yeah. And then you can crank oh, it no, out once is, everybody's gone. This is Plano, Texas, baby. You just like lay the mattress out on the floor and you're ready to rock. Nobody actually lives in Plano, Texas. No. Right? <laughs> Plano, Texas. That's just, not just real, right? Extremely white people. Not a real place, right? It's Plano, Texas. That's like like uh, what's that Clive Barker movie with the monsters? In the Mouth of Madness? No, no, no. The one where uh uh Oh Clive Oh Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Oh it's yeah. like where the monsters live. It's Plano, oh, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Oh what the fuck is that place called? Wait, it's a mouth fucking Oh uh, oh it's uh, on the tip of my tongue. Oh now. you know it. You know it. Midian. 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 That's oh there actually is a Midland and my friend Jason, Midland, yeah. Jason that's Murphy, where George W. Bush is from. My friend Jason Murphy is from there originally. And mm. he was always like, I'm from Midland. It's where the monsters live. <laughs> <laughs> that is not from Midian. That. It's pretty close. Different kind of monster. Was David Cronenberg there? I no, don't the think monsters so. in uh, Midian were actually reasonably liberal, all things considered. Well, yeah. the real monsters of Nightbreed were the. Townspeople yeah. and, and David Cronenberg, David David yeah, which best. is like one of the best villains of cinema history. And now he's on Star Trek. So, and now he's on Star Trek, which I don't watch. All right, we're going to go into the actual reviews here. My God, right? And I can just talk forever about what the we fuck can talk ever. forever. We're going to our first release, which is Arrow, getting a hold of a major Hollywood release, 1994's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, directed by Kenneth Branagh and starring Robert De Niro. Hey, my buddy Bobby, he plays Frankenstein. That's right. No. <laughs> no, don't even start. As the monster, Kenneth Brownick as Fran- Frankenstein, but also like uh, Hel- Helena Bonham Carter as, you know, I mean, when you look at her hair, you're just like, you're Bride of Frankenstein, right? <laughs> like my wife came in when I was watching it, I was like, she's Bride of Frankenstein, right? I'm she's like, go- she's you know, definitely sort of? Sort of in the end, you're just like, oh, where's that hair? Um, but uh, Tom Hulse from Amadeus is, yeah. is in it. One of those things where like, what happened to that guy? He used to be in a lot of shit, and then he just stopped. Yeah. Uh, Ian Holm, uh, and then the I think I think the only horror movie ever made with John Cleese. I think. Oh, oh, forget John Cleese is in this. Um, yeah, because I, I was distracted by his teeth. Oh my um, god, they gave him big weird fake teeth <clears throat> in this. At first, I I I knew it was John Cleese, but then I was like second guessing myself throughout watching it. I was like that. It doesn't sound like him. Yeah. I mean, why? What is going on? I mean, and, this is a follow up to Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was a gigantic. Okay, I'm gonna say it. Monster hit. Oh yeah, and it's a more than not really fantastic movie. I mean, it has acting issues. I would say not even acting issues so much as 
casting issues. Casting issues. That's the thing. Because like, he lo- didn't want Keanu Reeves. He wanted Johnny Depp, which nothing ever bad has happened to him. Uh, and uh, But back in the day, Johnny Depp would have been the jo- guy. Johnny Depp would have been and the Keanu guy. Keanu Reeves wasn't at that point in his acting career that I feel like, I'm not even sure he is now to pull off this type of role. Look, let's, let's, let's be real real quick. We all love Keanu we Reeves. We love him. He's not a great actor. He's not a great actor, but he's a great reactor. Correct. Indeed. And I'm not sure. I mean, you could write this for him where it would have worked. This was not the case. And Winona Ryder also really poorly cast. I love Winona Ryder, but yeah. she was just like, what are you doing in this movie? Yeah. Everyone else is absolutely perfectly cast in that movie. Anthony Hopkins, Gary, uh, Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman. Anyway, this movie is like, oh, we're going to capture, we're going to try and do that. Well, they just but captured the Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder casting. Like, hey, you know what I loved in Dracula? Like, who? It was like, Keanu and Winona. Like, thing, Me too! Dracula's like, Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's like, okay. Uh, they're clearly, I mean, they're just, they're wearing it on their foreheads. We're going for the same thing. Well, do you know what? But the, this the, is, Dracula was like, really captured the over-the-topness of the original Bela Lugosi film in some ways, but updated. Uh, the, I still think it's one of the best scores of all time for, for a film. The scores for, for what? Uh, for uh, 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 Dracula. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just so amazing. Oh yeah. I got that shit on Mondo, baby. Like, I don't know what he's trying to do. So here you know what other happened? Than show off the fact that he has abs. Well, he does he have abs. Takes his shirt off constantly. I didn't know Frankenstein was hot, but uh, uh, in this movie, well, uh, so originally this was supposed to be Coppola's follow-up to Dracula. Then he got sidetracked with a little movie called Jack. And so, bad call, bad Coppola. call for Coppola. Uh, there's many bad calls in Wasn't his career. Wasn't Dracula like the last good Coppola film? Did I say Scorsese? Earlier? Um, I'm sorry. A uh, little movie called Jack. Uh, yeah, okay. So uh, he then handed the reins over to Kenneth Branagh, and uh, he was like, "Oh, trust him." And now uh, Coppola has like disowned it. He like even during production is like this is shit this is going to be really Dude, bad not not even him uh the original writer uh frank darabont who wrote frank darabont script, i can't believe that insanely proud of the script yeah. he was really proud of the script he's like i really think we got this just perfect to do this and more than anyone has shit on this film and blames it all on Kenneth Branagh. And Kenneth Branagh but, just death of the Nile all over this movie. Yeah, man, he's just like, no, every, he made every wrong decision you could make, he made. He just made it so like big when it didn't need to be big and small when it didn't need to be small. And he, he's like, he's written essays about how much he hates this adaptation of his work. Oh, yeah. it's uh, there. There's a moment in the movie that I was like, that's what this is. Um, when... <laughs> Because uh, uh, it, it it oddly follows the story fairly well. Uh, it's the, the closest to the original Mary Shelley. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's fairly close. And uh, I remember, like, of course, when I was in high school, I had to read Frankenstein. It's not dead on. No, it's definitely not dead on. Um, but I remember uh, I didn't read the book, and I was like, I'm not going to watch Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> and of course, I was like, Shooter. that's that part when uh, the monster, uh, he's in front of the house of the family that he was trying to help, and then he yells out, Frankenstein! He's like, that didn't happen in the book. No. And uh, But I knew at that moment, watch, re-watching it again, I was like, oh... That's what he's trying to do. He doesn't know what he's doing because <laughs> he can't. He the tone is all over the place. He can't go from super big to very nuanced because there are moments when I was like, "That is still very interesting." The way that is portraying the monster that I haven't ever seen before, like the the conversation and um, when uh, Frankenstein is visiting him in like the the mountains, and uh, I was like, "All right, you make me a bride." 
uh, make me a friend. And it's like, that scene is genuinely really good. And, but it's just like all these other scenes that are just utterly ridiculous. And everyone's just like way over the top. And, and everyone's like miscast like crazy. Like, you know, I love Robert De Niro, but like, Boyven. Um, it's just, it's It's weird. weird choice. Such a weird choice. And I mean, Bronick is fine as Frankenstein, as (sighs) Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, Bram Stoker's Dracula is very sexy film, but it knows when it needs to not be sexy. Mm-hmm. And it knows how to balance those two things. Mm-hmm. At points, Gary Oldman's just like this fucking sexiest thing on feet and other sexy shit going on. And then occasionally it's just like, <coughs> oh my God, fucking makes you feel like revulsed by him. And it knows exactly how to time that stuff. This film, there's no way to make the monster sexy. He's repulsive yeah. and horrible. So you make Dr. Frankenstein like sexy. Sexy. And it's just, it feels like a softcore porn film mixed with like a monster movie. Cause like, it's yeah. just all these scenes of, doc, of like Kenneth Bonnick constantly, constantly shirtless. taking his shirt off, which once again, if that's your thing, if you want to see, and my wife walked in at one point and was like, mm. and I was like, <laughs> okay, fair, but you haven't been sitting here watching this movie. Well, it, you know it's what? It's kind of boring. It's, it's pretty boring. Yeah. And, uh, you know what it feels like? It feels like showtimes. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> and uh and it's like I was much uh, more forgiving for this when it came out because it was like, oh, well, at least I spent a lot of money on a big adaptation. I I, I read I watched multiple other low budget Frankenstein movies in the last 10 years before that. Sure. Like, okay. And it's got a great cast and there's some good stuff in here, no question. Behind the scenes stuff's it. actually not that bad either. And it shot really, really well. The transfer is actually great. Oh, no question. It's a great transfer. And this is in 4K from Arrow. It really is, yeah. 4K and Blu-ray. And there's audio commentary. (laughs) Excuse me. We drink when we do these. Um, There's a 30-minute Mary Shelley in the creation of a monster with British Gothic specialists. I didn't realize you could have that as a... On your resume, David Perry and Stephen Volk and Jonathan Rigby talking about the source novel, uh, dissecting Mary Shelley's Frankenstein for 15 and a half minutes, uh, Frankenstein for 13 minutes, which is uh, uh, the first screen adaptation of the novel worth kind of like the best extra here, which is the Thomas Edison version of Frankenstein. Like the, oh, I didn't even see that part. Yeah, it's oh, shit. early silent movie version of Frankenstein. Oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah. 1910. Holy Christ. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, this is so cool. And it's, it's like bizarre and doesn't capture it all. And it's just like, okay, but it's like, oh, this is so neat. This is here. Wow. The first version. And there's interviews with the, the costume designer, the composer and the makeup artist, which the makeup is great. No question. Yeah. The makeup is really good. The practical effects are really good. The gore is fucking heavy at points. And I think that there's at points and there's points where they make that gore work emotionally for you. Like there's a a moment where the monster rips the heart out of somebody, which is just like, Oh shit. that Oh yeah. Yeah. That part. I'm like, Whoa, this is, that was much nastier than I thought it was. I was like, okay, showtime. I guess this is Cinemax is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. But I was like, I don't know. I, I, when I originally saw it, I was more forgiving. And now I'm like, yeah, I mean, this, unless you're really a big Frankenstein guy, there's no real reason. No, no, I just, I'm going to say this, like, it's not good. Okay, you're going to go that far. I'm just going to say <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. And, uh, and it's a miscalculation of everything. And, uh, cause like there are aspects of it that are good. Now the release itself, I think is good. Uh, but it's the only good thing Great about place. it. Yeah. And, um, and I, I wish that, uh, 
you know, I always uh, think about like, oh, if I ever did a talk show, I would only talk to celebrities about their bombs or things that they're like not proud of. Yeah, it's I like, mean, I mean, you I, do trash in the can. So, uh, yeah, like, yeah. That follows. Exactly. Yeah. Cause like, I would only talk to Kenneth Brown. I was like, oh, so like, yeah, tenant, fine. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, I'm going to talk to you about this for two and a half hours longer than that fucking movie. Look, look I'm going to make you feel so uncomfortable like I did watching The thing is, like, I don't want to make him feel uncomfortable. It's like, walk me through. Because, like, you know, you were obviously a dickhead, right? Because, like, you told, like, Frank Darabont to go fuck himself and, like, Francis Vercoble was, like, like, just hated you. And, like, so what was going through your mind? Because you were only, like, 30 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but he's like, but look at my abs. But look, your abs are like, and also your abs, you had 30 abs and yeah, those are great I abs. Count, I counted them. They were pretty good. They were really good. Yeah. My yeah. wife was like, did you count those abs? Those are 30 I was like, abs. I saw them. They're in 4K. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to a, a film called 2LDK. Now I know you're like, oh God, Chris, stop it. I don't have any idea what this is. Wait, stop. Pay attention. This is one you might actually <laughs> li- like like to know about here, Full stop. actually. Full stop. This is a Japanese film from 2003 by uh, Yukihiko uh, Sutsumi. I'm probably saying Sutsumi. That Sutsumi. Yeah. This is a little indie film from Japan that in no way, outside of the first 20 minutes or so, feels like a film of this period in Japan. Uh, yeah. You know, with two women who live in an apartment building together and they're like both actresses aspiring actresses and they're both trying out for the same role mm-hmm. and they clearly don't really like each other but they're playing the whole like uh, but this is how you be polite and it feels like any number of social dramas from japan you know like okay this is not really going to go anywhere it's more about like this sort of like oh, i'm afraid to say what i really think well, but like, I don't like one of them person. is like very like ocd and anal and the yeah. other one is a little more per- promiscuous and but has some trauma that is not necessarily articulated just yet You're like okay this is what's going to be and then <laughs> yeah it goes fucking insane it is <laughs> fantastic and i don't mean like surreal it's not surreal no 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 this no, 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 feels no. like a very 2003 american indie film in yeah a lot of ways we were talking about this like i'm surprised this has not been remade yet oh yeah because like i the fact that this was not like one of anne hathaway's first movies yeah, yeah. it was like <laughs> of a remake i was like it's kind of a travesty because now i think it's like maybe a little bit more aged out at this point even though like you know she could still do it but like for two younger, like, budding actors, like, Anya Taylor-Joy, and then, I don't know, uh, the chick from X. Uh, no, the, the, or, no, the, the, the other chick from, um, uh, the, the last Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Last Night in Soho. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess Last Night in Soho is basically this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, this is a very, not brutally violent, but emotionally violent film that it points is like very graphic with its like actual violence. With, with the violence, yeah. With the, <clears throat> these two girls as they go from like secretly disliking each other to openly oh. disliking each other yeah. to openly fucking trying to murder each other inside of this one apartment. And they're the only people in this movie outside yeah. of the voice on the telephone. At right, right, right. And I got to tell you, I really dug the shit out of this. It's fucking great like it's really good <laughs> like I, I, I was talking about this earlier is that um it, it's uh if you're really in like transgressive stuff and like yeah. um and 
I um I really do like the idea of these characters that they have voiceovers and they're thinking about the things that they don't like about the other person because that's usually the only time the voiceover pops up is like oh that anal bitch and you know things like that I was like right. oh she's so slutty like saying things like that but like not openly saying it to each other and then being very passive aggressive and like and then one of them comes up is like are you using my shampoo and they're like okay and then it just starts to go off the rails like little by little and it's not like it convincingly goes off. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't do like all of a sudden one of them just like stabs someone and you're like, no, it's just like piece by piece. It goes uh, to that direction and it all makes sense. And it's kind of masterfully done. The, like the tension that it's building and the, the, um, you know, evolving into like the craziness that ends up happening. Cause like towards the end of it, um, it, it I mean, it, it gets to a point to where like if you were that like desperate wanting to, kill the other person you'd probably do the things that they're doing at this point because you're only u- utilizing <clears throat> what's in the apartment and it's one of the few things again i'm just like i'm kind of just shocked that no one's remade this yet yeah. and i really want to put myself out there because i'd love to remake this it's like it's so good cross between a, a film that's totally worth saying but like you know not perfect called cat fight with sandra O oh and Anne Heche, and then war of the roses or the roses, yeah. Like that's both those things. They're very strongly here. Although both those, uh, I guess, War of the Roses predated this. Uh, Catfight most definitely did not. Oh right, but right. um, it's upsetting in a Schadenfreude way. Mm-hmm. Like it never goes to the point where you're uncomfortable watching it. Mm-mm. I mean, assuming you have some comfortability with ha- comfortability, is that a word? With horror. comfortability, comfortability. 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 With heart, you, like, you know, I mean, like, it gets kind of violent and brutal and, like, bloody and stuff, but, yeah. like, we're not talking about, like, people, like, chainsawing each other. Oh, wait, we are, actually. I forgot. Yeah, no, uh, we are. Actually. It's not a chainsaw. <laughs> it's not a chainsaw, but, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, the, the, no, that's a chainsaw, man. No, no, the meat, it's like, I guess it's kind of a chainsaw. There was a chainsaw. Remember it's the, like the, the cord? mini chainsaw. It's still a chainsaw. I don't know if that counts. It's not like somebody like if a oh, chainsaw. Is it's not like if Leatherface came out with a mini chainsaw. Like, a chainsaw oh, it's okay. It's just a say, mini can chainsaw. Can you picture Leatherface going? Hold on, I need to get my extension cord because <laughs> a chainsaw that's electric is not a chainsaw. By but definition. see, but the, what I like about it is that it it uses those things where it's literally, uh, which I have no idea where the fuck that chainsaw came from, but uh, that it's like corded. It's yeah. Like okay, this all makes sense for the film. Like mm-hmm. it's it all adding to the tension and like also like uh like almost violence at some points and it's yeah. it's great it's front to back it is kind of a masterpiece it's i don't know if it goes that far but i enjoyed the fuck out of it uh, and it's weird it got mixed reviews and i was like why this is so much fun to watch if you can get past that first 20 minutes of like thinking it's going to be a totally different film than mm-hmm. it actually is which you know you shouldn't pay attention. All that stuff is important. You know, just yeah. know that you're going in for a brutal fucking crazy black comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I, me- I remember you telling me about it. And then the first like 20 minutes, it's like, okay, what's happening? And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, oh okay. here we go. Uh, there, the arrow, I'm sorry. It's not arrow. Who it's was unearthed it? films. Unearthed films. Uh, 
has a couple of bonus features on here. Fight choreography for 17 and a half minutes, where it goes into the really incredibly well-staged fight scenes between these two girls. Because they really were. They're great, by the way. And there's uh, also almost 18 minutes of deleted scenes. Uh, Two different audio commentaries. I mean, this is a solid release and a solid movie that is, I guarantee, uh, I'm sure is not on your radar. And you should check it out. It's fucking cool, dude. Yeah, you really should. It's it's if you're really into the, I guess, you know the the big craze and like I would say the mid, like the late two thousands and the early like twenty tens mm. of the like Korean horror like thrillers that were coming out. Like this predates that a little bit, and oh, yeah. this is but it like, feels like one of those. It feels like one of those, and so this would de- definitely be up your alley. So when I was, you know coming into my own in the 80s and the 90s as a film guy going like I the think 1890s yes <laughs> i was really seeking out the most independent voices i feel like a lot of people are when they first get into film they're like yeah. oh i'm looking for those people who are you know like exploding in this underground like circuit that you go see in your local indie theater You're yeah like, like oh mine God. was michael bay um <laughs> but you know what i mean a lot of the people who were doing that ended up becoming huge directors like peter jackson or mick Tarantino. yeah okay stop uh, <laughs> but one of the big guys uh was alex cox who in 1984 really shot across the bow with his film Rebo Man, which I still think may be the greatest cult film ever made. I know you still haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. You suck. But then proved that... Well, he- get me on fucking digital noise and I'll fucking see it. Well, you're on digital noise. Well, instead of this... <laughs> okay. Well, in, in uh, he followed up with Sid and Nancy in 1986, which, you know, about... Sid, Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen, which you think, okay, this is going to be trashy, but he made a film that was like award-winning Hell and yeah. highly respected. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, early film Gary Oldman. It's a it's a weirdly delicate and beautiful film for about such an ugly subject. Right. And it's really kind of a masterpiece. You're like, oh, this guy knows how to work with you know bigger industry people. He knows how to do this sort of thing. Oh, I just saw he uh, he received a co-writer credit for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I did not know that. He did. And Terry Gilliam tore it up and rewrote it himself, which what? I would say that's probably a good idea. Probably a good idea. Anyway, so Cox had that period where he was doing some really, really interesting stuff. Two films. Qu- quote, in quote, interesting, in quote. And then he did, in 1987, two movies. <laughs> One was Straight to Hell, which we reviewed about a year ago, I think, on uh, Digital Noise, which was interesting only if you were like a big punk rock fan. It was like a, it, they descri- described it as an espresso Western. So oh, it was yeah. like turning into a spaghetti Western, but where like everything, everybody's just wired as fuck on coffee the whole time, <coughs> which is a funny idea. And occasionally it's a very funny movie and it's filled with like, you know, like a, fucking uh, Courtney Love and Joe Strummer and people like that. Like it's filled mm. with famous faces. Okay, but it's so long and it just like goes nowhere and whatever. And then he was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to like serious stuff. I'm gonna work with a a a, comp- a, a, a proper company here, like a production company, and I'm going to make a adaptation of a real life guy here, uh, a real life dude, William Walker." Uh, in the about 1850s, late uh, mid to late 1850s, yeah, who was like kind of a war hero who went and did some 
crazy Steph who took over Nicaragua and became president of Nicaragua for like yeah. two years. And that's that's what I read is that he he went to Nicaragua and learned about uh, Walker and was just fascinated by like, wait, what the fuck yeah, does this guy a, do? This is a white dude who came over, like an American who came over and did this sort of the behest of other people. And I the problem with this movie is that Almost nothing is accurate to the actual real story Mm-mm. because Alex Cox is not interested in telling that real story at all. Mm. He, this When this movie came out in 1987, he was interested in shitting all over Reagan, which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you know the stuff we were doing, that was basically the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just doing it again. And he's like, look, look at the, 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 the cross. The parallels. The parallels. Which is fine, and I'm all for that, but this is so on the nose that early on in the movie, there's a point where, like, they're going through the jungle, and you see, like, a modern car drive by them, and you're like, wait, what was that? That's that's later in the film. Like, so- no, no, that scene was pretty early in the film. Uh, the, uh, there's a lot of shit later where it gets crazy with that stuff. When he's reading The New Yorker, like, Newsweek, it's like, yeah, did you see me? Get Newsweek in time, <laughs> yeah. and then, like, it ends with, like, helicopters landing and shit. You're like, this is in 1853. <laughs> well, because the, the whole point is, like, he wanted to show, like, that... There is that extreme parallel to what's happening right now. Yeah. And uh, like, I I get it. I get it. It's a young Ed Harris as William Walker, which, you know, Who I, is, I, I can we say real quick, he is in a very intense person. In this movie, yeah. In, in this movie, but just in general. Like, I remember seeing him like at a press release for like History of Violence and him just like banging on the like the table talking about like America's all about violence and he's like just hitting it and like er, like even Viggo Mortensen was like I'm the one who killed everybody and it's like Jesus Christ man calm down anyway he's he's young here yes he's balding already but you know who isn't so you say so you say (laughs) (laughs) you know this is trying to cover all the ground of like this guy's life while still just totally making up shit left and right. And there's a lot of stuff like, why is this even in here? Like early on this thing where like his wife in, in real life here was like Ellen Martin and they were happily married and she was a deaf woman. He learned how to uh, play by the great Marley Martin, Marley Martin, which is cool. Right. Maitland, Ma- Maitland. Ma- Maitland. Yeah. And, but she died well before any of the events <laughs> of this film happened. And in the yeah. film, they were just kind of like, okay, she's dead. Let's move on. And like, why is this here? Well, it, it it um he sees now that there's nothing else to like live for, and that's why he takes the job. The idea from- is that maybe he was sane before that, and then he's crazy. But uh, to all reports historically, he was not at all a fucking crazy unhinged person when all this shit happened. He was mm-hmm. actually considered a master tactician and did something that was pretty incredible that you could even pull off and like fucking 20 people. He took over Nicaragua, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of amazing, but this film plays it off. Like it was a goof and it's not, not only is a goof, but like <clears throat> it's goofy. Yeah, because there are points when, like, the music it has like it's almost like a 1987 sitcom music that's going on when they're walking into Nicaragua and it's like and there's like saxophone like it's just like (laughs) oh we're just sitting down at the couch it's like yeah it's crazy (laughs) and just like wait because like I get it and like in a way that's kind of punky the way that he's doing this but it just doesn't work in the end I get what you're after it just doesn't work and part of the reason why 
it didn't work is because it keeps trying to do funny, goofy stuff yeah. along the way. And it all, I mean, every last flat. time they try it, it falls so flat. Yeah. Like just doesn't work. And when it gets into the last third of it, it goes overboard with the whole, uh, you know, discontinuities, the whole like anachronisms of like modern day. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just like, this is just annoying. This is happening. I get it. I mean, of course it ends with the credit sequence of like, okay, in case you missed it, this is what it's, this is really about to explain to you what's happening right now. I'm like, wow. (laughs) I like, I'd like to think that Ed Harris knew what, he was doing with this because you know he he can be a little unhinged in the film because there's like a moment where like they the, his troops uh take refuge in this um this uh, like house or something like that and he's like is there a piano and i was like yeah i was like it's right over there i was like okay good and he sits down and he starts playing piano and singing while everyone's like shooting out and like yeah. or just like tr- like in a gunfight it's absurd but what was the point of it um it's just to show that he is, is still in control and that he knows what he's doing but he's still like so seemingly unhinged and you just feel like someone of his own troops would have shot him at that point well know? he just shoots his own troops yeah. uh i mean hey criterion you do you uh, I don't I think mean, this I, was the greatest thing in the world. I get it. I've always wanted to see this because it's that Me too. changeover point between when Alex Cox was amazing and a genius for and two And this films literally ruined his and career. And to the whole rest of his career, which is not and is yeah. terrible. Because this, <laughs> this was such a bomb and a critical failure that like he basically couldn't do any other movie. He'd started doing micro-budget movies. Yeah. And, uh, and he basically started living in Mexico after this because he wanted to you know raise awareness about a lot of things, which I think is a good thing. But at the same time, like no one wanted to give any money anymore because it's like, oh, your ideas are not like good, and uh, and so <laughs> and so uh, like maybe someday this will be released. I don't know, on Criterion or something. Um, but uh, like, yeah, it is. It this is an interesting film and release all on its own because this is a milestone in his career that basically destroyed it. I feel like. I, I I feel like I wish that, that Criterion hadn't been the ones to put this out because they had to get permission from them and everything. And so all the extra features are more complimentary than they're not. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked a version from somebody else. It's like, why was this such an absolute shit fuck of a film? Yeah. Like just exploring how this f- fell apart so totally and how Alex, careers, Alex Cox's career totally fell apart so totally. Dude, he made a sequel to Repo Man like repo chick like 10 years ago it is one of the most atrocious pieces of garbage i've ever seen in my entire yeah, life it was all like, shot in like green screen or I'm something like, like that how is this by the same guy what you had two movies Dude, no it. one gives it any money at all because it's just like you're Dude, not, plenty like, of people make fantastic movies with almost no money this guy makes that's what i was trying to tell you is like he has only made I, I guess, because I haven't seen Repo Man, but I've seen yeah. Sid and Nancy. I guess he's only made two good movies. Yeah, I think only two good movies. And the thing is, it's like you look at it, you're like, okay, well, maybe, because like, even that's like, it. that's it. Because like he, maybe he's not the greatest filmmaker in the world. No, obviously he's not. No. That's, that's very pointy. He's a, some people only have two good pieces of art in them. That's and it. This is this guy. Him this and Steven Spielberg, like, only two good movies. Oh, shush. This also has a lot of other good actors like Richard Mazur, Rene Abjunois, Xander Berkeley, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle, baby. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other good people who appear in this film. And it, man, it's a fucking train wreck. 
Yeah. It's a fucking train wreck. But it's a beautiful release. Uh, it's uh, okay. Um, I mean, it's just a criterion that just like goes nonstop with the stuff and just like, or, or all just. This felt like one of those, like, okay, sure. The criterion. Well, like, here's uh, what it is. And this is, I think this is not watching this. It's like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're basically trying to get all the rights to any, like, because they do like director series, right? Where like they've done that with like uh, Wes Anderson they did do quite Rico a bit. Man. I don't know if they did. I don't think they did Sid Nancy, but maybe. Not they did. Oh, maybe they did. Maybe on DVD or something like that, yeah. I think, but they haven't released on Blu ray yet. Yeah. But like, they, I see what they do is they try to get the rights to directors and try to do like, you know, a whole series. Uh, and like, I get it. And like, basically, this is the last like quote unquote good one, or like something reasonable enough as good. And I mean, uh, it's as bad as this is. There's a real drop off after this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, all we can do is Repo Man, Sid Nancy, Walker, and maybe Straight to Hell, and that is it. You thought this was bad? Just wait. Because yeah. <laughs> holy shit, uh, there was a. Um, he did another movie I kind of like called Death in the Compass, but only but that's based on a Borges, <gasps> a Borges uh, short story. Oh. But I only liked it because I have this real big fetish for this film no one's seen called Closet Land, and it felt like this was a sequel to Closet Land if you wanted it to be. And I was like, oh, it's a little sequel to the film that nobody cares Are you cares coming on to me? Well, like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Just because my hand is on your penis? No. <laughs> That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Jesus, man. You're it's so just, just there. It's just there. Anyway, so there is a bonus feature here, as you expect from Criterion. There's Dispatches from Nicara- Nicaragua, uh, archival documentary uh, for 51 minutes. That's, uh, you know, I mean, I got about 20 minutes into it before I was like, okay, that's enough. Uh, with uh, Following Alex Cox around on the, f- the set. On movie making in the revolution, audio monologue recorded by an Extra on Walker in 2007. Walker 2008, a film by Alex Cox, a short video piece where Cox explains what this was supposed to be and deals with the just nightmarish reviews that it got, which were well-deserved. And there's a 58-minute apology film that he did. There is not. Um, On the Origins of Walker archival program with Cox talking about the conception of it, The Immortals, uh, which is a collection of production stills, a commentary recorded by Alex Cox and the screenwriter Rudy Wurlitzer. Oh, man. They do it all in song, so it's a jukebox musical. Oh God! See, I I would have loved if like Ed Harris talked about this and just like I don't know what I was doing. So it's about violence. I don't even remember being in this fucking film. I mean, he's been in so many fucking movies that there's just like he's in The Rock. He's in The Rock. He's He's great in The Rock. He's in uh, Apollo 13. He's great in Apollo 13. Um, All right, let's talk about the the lowest point of our whole show, which is not Walker again. No. Oh, Raza Violenta, the huh. violent breed. Oh, this is the highlight of the show. No, I'm see, sorry. This might be you. Uh, this is <laughs> fucking terrible. This is like Italian. Oh, Rambo's big. Let's do our own thing from 1984. Well, it is, <laughs> and it's by Fernando DeLeo, who is a director. I generally think an Italian film is kind of a big deal. Is, is he? Some, I have no idea. Who that no, is. in an Italian film, he actually made some stuff, especially with the polizia, uh, polizia genre of like police films and stuff. Oh, what is considered to be a pretty big deal with that. And made some films that are like considered to be like the best of the genre. Oh, okay. This is, whoa. look, this is what I think he did. 
I think he saw a poster for First Blood. He was like, ooh, I want to do that. I can make that film. I can make that film. And he had no idea what it is. And he's like, oh, I have a cousin who knows Henry Silva. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everyone. (laughs) Uh, And then I've got like a nephew that like like went to soccer camp with Woody Strode. Well, no, he's like, I have a nephew that has the hair of Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Uh, Like this movie, like... I, I, yeah, yeah, it is, um, it's not good. It's not good. It's, um, it's and honestly, fucking terrible. No, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And, uh, why don't you just say fucking terrible? Why can't you just say fucking terrible? Oh, it is fucking terrible. Okay, fine. Yeah. I just want to be sure that no, 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 like th- this is actually, I, I, I wouldn't even want to watch this on Trash in the Can because, like, it's, it honestly, it's, too it's boring. It's boring. Yeah. Uh, now some of the violence is kind of like fun, but like the thing is though, is that it's still, sparse that it's like jesus christ just fucking kill someone because the main guy <laughs> i don't even know who the fuck his name is uh, harrison M- Mueller. sure uh Sorry. harrison Mueller. uh muller 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 Mueller? Mueller? Yeah. i don't know yeah Mueller. um Mueller. Mueller. Bad. it's like that boring um but he uh, what i do appreciate about it is that there are times like oh they're trying to be fun like try to be cheeky and fun and because there are points when like, no, and I appreciated about it because of like, well, at least you're doing this because this would have been s- even more of a slog than it already is. Yeah. So like there are points when he's like captured or he's trying to be smarmy with some of his, uh, like the villains. He's like, Hey, can I get a beer? Come on. I, I asked her for a beer, like at least a beer. And he's like hanging upside down, like, uh, like in binds. Look how snug. He's fun. He's not going to get killed. That's a good guy. Right. And so I was like, I appreciate that you're trying to follow the tropes of like an action hero of the eighties, but it's just like falling flat on its face. So the idea here is that a bunch of Vietnam buddies, Henry Silva, who is like, you know, a stalwart of this genre. He's like, uh, the, the aforementioned Harrison Mueller Muller, uh, and Woody Strode, ex-football star who turned into late in his, in his career, an mm-hmm. actor, uh, and I believe won some awards for something. I can't remember what it is. I want to say is. that he actually won, not for this, but he won for something. Like he won like an award for something. Like an, maybe was Woody Strode the the black guy? Yeah. Okay, I could not pin him because like I tried to look at his IMDb and I was like, yeah. I know him from something. I know I've seen him in yeah, you've something. You've seen him in a billion fucking things. But you know, like I, I, I don't think lot. I've seen any of the movies that he's in. I don't know if that's true. Okay, I feel like you have seen a bit. Okay, a bunch of the things he is. Oh, okay. Let's look through the things he's been in. Oh my god, the Ten Commandments, Spartacus. I mean, come on, you've seen one of those, right? So next up on uh, the Digital Quick and the Noise. Dead. Okay, who's he in the Quick and the Dead? A guy named Charlie Moonlight. Uh, he was in the Cotton Club, a Scorsese film. He was in Lust. No, in that's the, the Coppola. Coppola, sorry, Lust in the Dust. The Violent Breed. Oh, sorry. That <laughs> I, right I have to admit, to which is Fan- very- an episode of Fantasy Island. What's really unfortunate about all of this. The Duke of Hazard. All the things you've mentioned so far. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I've only seen him in The Violent Breed. Because <laughs> I've never seen Spartacus Wait, or Ten Commandments. Kingdom of the Spiders, though, right? I, so next on Digital Noise, oh. is uh, <laughs> I haven't seen any. Like, I really was looking at all the. I'm trying like, to I train know, him. I'm I, trying to train him. Train me. Train this, you. This, this shit is untrainable. All right, let me bring it out. <laughs> Do you get it now? Eh. Anyway, so they're CIA agents. 
who are sent to Southeast Asia on a rescue mission. They save a bunch of kids. Suddenly, Woody Strode is like, nah, I'm staying here. The other two guys back, go back to New York City. Meanwhile, uh, Harrison Muller's character is like, oh, I have this girl, Sharon, played by Carol, Carol Andre. Uh, and she's like, no, don't go, don't go. He's like, well, I got to go because like these are my bros. Uh, and uh, ends up with them going Back to a situation somewhere. where like the KGB and the mafia are involved. And there's a jungle brothel run by like <sighs> this, like a madam uh, here in a teenage gross teenage prostitute that he gets really into. Yeah. And, and But he does. I appreciate is like, no, 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 no. You're too young. Yeah. But then like, it's weird and creepy when they all die. And he's like, I could have fucked you almost. You're like, Look, that I appreciate his first turn down. Why didn't I fuck you? I, I appreciate <laughs> the foresight that the director and the, the writers have. They're like, no, 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 that'd be bad. <sighs> Like, look, this is 1977. Like, things have gotten already really bad. Let's change things. With this the is, movie called The Violent Breed. This is terrible stuff. Only and you know what? the most What's, addicted to terrible stuff, like Rambo ripoffs, are going to like this film. I, you know, exactly. Because, like, again, Trash in the Can stuff, like, this is not it. Because no. uh, this is a uh, Boring. And uh, and also, the, the Blu-ray itself is uh, garbage. Yeah. Uh, it's a 2K release and a trailer. And the next movie is uh, no, we're yeah no we're not I don't that's all what? it has I'm gonna take a nap before that because I'm exhausted. <laughs> so we're gonna go to South Korea. Oh my god, I love going to South Korea. Like, Who doesn't like going to South terms, Korea in terms of film? I mean, I have no oh. idea what South Korea. Uh, I've never oh, been. You been? No. Oh, it's it's have you I been? Have, no no of course not. <laughs> I knew that. Uh, even before you start playing this game with me, I was like, no, you haven't. You've not been to South Korea. But maybe I have been in a different body. Yeah, but uh, let's face it, like South Korea is doing some of the most interesting films coming out today. Like Ever? Parasite won everything what parasite yeah i mean well everything bon Joon ho has ever made yeah i mean like but like he's far from the only one There's oh yeah a lot of people coming out of there that are really really fascinating now i don't know much about a uh, yoon jay gyun oh, i don't know if God. i'm saying here that right go. or not here we go Hold but on this second. new film i'm really good at pronouncing names that are not are you, well if you stop bashing your mic oh, oh, one thing. he's like dong 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 hoon really are you sure are you sure? No. Okay. But are so you sure? I'm fairly sure. No, I don't think you are. Oh, okay. Anyway, the point is Spirit Walker is a new film from South Korea, mystery action fantasy film, which right off the bat, you're like, mystery action fantasy? What is that? Oh, that sounds interesting. I don't watch that. <laughs> All right. So. As you're m- mumbling to yours, like, <laughs> I just got finished uh, reviewing Russian Doll season two. Oh, yeah. Which totally went with Quantum Leap for their thing. They What's like, a quantum leap? You know what quantum leap is. Is that with, with me. is that a Sam Beckett is trapped through time. Oh, Sam 12 Beckett? Hours I time. love that actor. He's great. Beckett. No, no, no. <laughs> We're supposed to go with actors. We're supposed to go with the writer, Samuel Beckett. But oh my God, you're terrible at this, right? Oh, I am. I'm not good at improv. And though you're fantastic at improv, just not right this second. <laughs> Anyway, so this goes with the Quantum Leap thing, but in a very uh, uh, set series of things that happen that the idea is that this guy has woken up from a car crash. He he comes out of his like, I have total amnesia. I don't remember anything about my life. Uh, 
what is happening? Where am I? Why do people know who I am and I don't know who they are? Why is there a lot of violence around it? And then suddenly there's a flash and he's in a totally different situation. You're like, wait, what? And the idea is that this guy is jumping from body to body every 12 hours, uh, like Quantum Leap. Or like, you know what it felt like? I've been watching Moon Knight recently. It felt like Moon Knight. Did it? A little bit, where he's like, what's going on? Why am I in a different situation? And like, what's, and at least the very first okay, like body or that. two. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, there's he's, lots of violence. There's criminals, there's cops, there's people looking for him. There's people wanting to kill him. Uh, but you know, he, it, people like relating to him, like, Oh, you're this person. He's like, I'm not, I don't even know what's happening. And it's sort of a mystery in a memento sort of sense, almost sure that he's like piecing these bits together and starting to realize that he is indeed body switching. But yeah. why is he body switching? And right. why are the people, why is he body switching in the people that he is body switching into? Because it all deals with a, ultimately a crisis, you know, moment that happened where, you know, a bunch of people were around when he quote, quote, died. Right. And he's just switching from body to body in a sort of karmic retribution sort of exactly. opportunity. It basically, it's just like, God was a bitch, right? And uh, <laughs> like, that's basically what this movie is, is that it's just like, well, if you do a bad deed, then, you know, be prepared for any kind of retribution or consequences from those bad deeds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's, a, it's clever. I, I, I like, like it. this. I like it. I like this. I yeah. thought it was fun. It was well filmed. The action yeah. is good. The I, you know, the, I, the main actor, he's great. They did a good job at like setting up the mystery where you're like, wait, no, I'm interested right from the start and like piecing out the little bits as what? it went to where like I was really like all with it the whole way. Like, wait, what is the actual story? Right. Here? What I like about it is that like the main actor at the very beginning seems like he's kind of nebbish. Mm-hmm. And uh and then he starts to realize like, oh, no wait, I'm the ultimate badass. And uh and I Hence the Moon Knight reference, but, yeah, but it's uh, a little bit of like, is he the ultimate badia- badass, or does it have to do with the body he's that he's in? Right, too? right. Because everyone he's jumping into is a total fucking gangster badass, right? But so he like, is too, so he's yeah. like also bringing his skill set to it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, a fun little action movie that I think that people should watch for sure. Oh no, no question. And the biggest thing I said when I was done watching this was like, how is this not already being licensed for a remake? (laughs) Because this screams, what is Nicolas Cage doing right now? (laughs) (laughs) I am. And so that's funny you say that. Cause now we have two movies. It's like, how has this not been remade yet? Uh, like I could see how uh, this has not been remade because it's a, a very high concept idea where like, you have to get like it. You know what it feels like? It feels like a good, like, um, it's like this would have been ripe for like a 2009 remake. You know what I'm t- talking about? Like just like kind yeah. of bullshit, like bad American remakes or something from a definitely from like an Asian market where they're sure. like they don't understand like the why this is important and the way that they did it. Like any of like the Grudge or not. Granted, I think The Ring is a great remake, but like oh yeah, all all the the reason why The Grudge is a great remake. <laughs> 
Well, but uh, like the thing is, it's like the the ghosts, the way the 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 reason why the ghosts look like you know girls that have like crazy long hair or like super white and they're always dressed in white or boys as well because like, they're hot. Well, <laughs> and I want to fuck ghosts. But the thing is, though, <laughs> totally is that that's how right here. I right. know you want to fuck ghosts, but that's how. Asians or J- uh, Japan, uh, Japanese people view ghosts like the we we how Americans how we view ghosts are people in like in white sheets and that's it about it KKK I don't and so yeah. no but that's true though that's how they oh, like, that's how Ameri- all Americans just view ghosts as people in white sheets that, in, in the KKK yeah, yeah. you're gonna just set that down and stone I'm gonna set that down right uh, now okay. uh, I'm gonna let you continue with your point but the the thing is i think that uh this is still such a like high concept idea that i could see why this hasn't been remade yet okay i i don't necessarily agree because i think america's been all about this type of film recently i mean we had two happy death day movies for god's sakes <laughs> you know well yeah but, but i'm saying is like they're both great th- this seems like it it missed like the time like i don't see why no, like no, no. i could see this i could see them doing because it's a combination which we haven't done yet with this type of thing with high octane action you know, not be, done you, that yet. You know who'd be great at remaking this? I just thought of this. Uh, David Bowie's son. What's his name? Who? The guy who did a uh, uh, Moon. And uh, oh yeah, I forget his name. I know uh, you're talking about. Uh, the, and uh, uh, what's that? You the, think he's the guy? Oh, he could do this. I don't know. I'm just like I like that it's going like this is doing taking that same plot that has been started in sci-fi mm-hmm. went to horror mm-hmm. and now it's like oh what if we did action mm-hmm. and i'm like ooh, i would love to see an action version of this in america like yeah, fucking keanu reeves i'm sorry keanu reeves Ke- yeah keanu reeves yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, like a lot of this is like the main character when we see him we see him always the same actor but when he looks in a mirror it's a different actor or or or, or oscar isaac or, or oscar isaac or, or, or somebody or, or jake gyllenhaal i think that'd anyway, be great this is really fun yes it is i had a great time with this movie i did not expect to have as great a time with this movie as i did there's like four minutes of behind the scenes and that's about it here with the for bonus features but you know spirit walker is pretty fucking fun so we're gonna move on to the point that like right literally when i got here today is like can you not give me as many martial arts films oh man like it's back to back right now not that i don't like martial arts films it's just like I don't think I'm really a martial arts films from the seventies type of guy. I, I, uh, I, 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 okay. Look, I appreciate these movies uh-huh. and in some ways I like them as well. Yeah. The thing is, is that like I have a day job and the thing is it also gets me really tired. And so when I start watching these movies, I start to doze off and I've had to restart. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. I don't have to talk to fucking 50 people a day. No, and, uh, I have that problem when I try and watch more artistic stuff from like the past. And I like people are like, oh, you don't like Fellini? I'm like, it's not that I don't like Fellini. It's just. No, sure, yeah. sure. No, 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 I get that <laughs> too. But like, like, like a, the, the, the French neo expressionists, I'm like, well, oh. now, now we, we've been watching. Uh, I don't know if you're trying to torture me, but also the past few times we've done this, we've watched a lot of the 88 films and the Shaw Brothers movies. Yeah. And uh, I feel like now, like, oh, okay. Got it. Uh, We've got three Shaw Brothers movies. We got three Shaw Brothers back to back, and I could basically explain every single one of them with the same idea. There's two warring factions. 
that's it. And, uh, and so like, I just explained the next three movies and then like something crazy happens. Cause one guy is like, Meh, and then does something and then has his own story That's and not, then has to come back and do the shit. You know, no, I would say I just explained three movies in one sentence. I think you explained two movies, maybe not three. Okay. Two and a half. All right. Fair enough. But the first one, 1978, Shaolin Mantis, which was originally put out in China as the Deadly Mantis, but there's a really bad horror film called The Deadly Mantis that had come out in like the 60s or something. So they're like, and I want to change the Shaolin Mantis, that. even though there's no Shaolin in this film. What? Soever. This is a 1978 Shaw Brothers film directed by the great and one of the greatest directors in uh, uh, Chinese film history, Lao Kar Lung, uh, who was the guy who was like, we should do more comedy. Yes, he was right. We there should was comedy do- in this? Yeah. In Shaolin Mantis? Almost certainly. Uh, uh, David Chiang plays a scholar <laughs> who's been grabbed by the emperor to infiltrate a group of rebels in another clan to get evidence of their connection to the Ming loyalists. He goes there. He encounters um, the granddaughter, the leader of the rebel group. He's hired as her new instructor. In, oh, in like, yeah. Uh, that's movie. I remember it now. And, and like, <laughs> you know, just educator. And she's like, all I want to do is martial arts. And he's like, well, you know, martial arts are hard. And he's playing it off like he doesn't know martial arts at all, even though he totally does. But they actually kind of fall in love, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like she's more in love with him. He's like, what is happening right now? But like, it's admitted like, okay, she is hot. Yeah. I, I love how like in these films that anytime there's like a love interest, they're always like, like, what? Yeah. And uh, like, she likes me. Cause there's, there's no like any other kind of like gender relationship. It's just like man, woman. Bah, bah, bah. And, uh, and so, <laughs> and so when it happens, they're always kind of like, oh, I can't believe, I, but uh, my, 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 uh, my pride and, and, uh, like my, my yeah. stature, like I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing right by my, my country and everything. And then like, there's this woman like, but I love you. I want to suck your dick. Yeah. And, and he's like, I, I, I sort of remember this movie. I have to admit, oh I don't remember it very well because it gets pretty funny. I like, this is a movie. This that, is, okay. Uh, here's it what it starts. It starts with like, which is rare for Shaw Brothers films. There's almost no actual fighting for the first hour of this film. It's more like, you know, oh, hence why fish I had out to of water stuff here going on here. It's like, there's not a lot going on in terms of fighting. It's just like trying to be, lightly comedic here with the situation where we know this guy is there to infiltrate them. Yeah. And it's really awkward that the girl that he's supposed to, that he's in there to infiltrate, like get her to like him, likes him too much. And he's like, Oh God, this is awkward. That's right. And like, okay. And it actually does kind of work. Well, cause he's also like, it's like, Oh no, I like, I'm, I'm here for like, cause he's also there for like good reasons, sort yeah. of. Like, yeah, I mean, he thinks he's going to re- Yeah. Because, but when it gets to the end of the movie, it's like, <laughs> It gets totally like, I mean, this is totally a, if you're not in China, you don't get it type of thing, I suspect. Whereas like father is literally like, you fucked up everything. Like everything you did was wrong. This whole movie. And like, what? Wait, what? Like, uh, uh, okay. So this is a very political movie, but only in the last like three minutes. Like, wait, what? Oh man. Like, uh, Okay. Once it gets to the last like 30 minutes of this film, it's like a really fun, goofy action film. Here's what this movie is known for. He is training. Yeah. And he is also looking 
at praying mantises that yeah. are doing the same stance yeah. as he is. Which may be the only example I can think of where an actor in one of these films is actually watching the creature in particular and trying to imitate them. I can't, I've seen so many of these. I can't think of another one where they're like, I, like this must be like, the OG the camera's like, here's a praying mantis doing a praying well, mantis thing. And then he's like, Oh, what if I did it like that? Yeah. It's like, that's a fucking kick-ass sequence. Cause but. it, cause it rocket zooms. Cause it's all in camera. Uh, what it does is that he's like practicing with like a, a, a staff of some kind and he's like doing this stance and he's like looking over, uh, to the foreground and then it like, it zooms over and a rocket zooms to the, this mantis who just happens to be just holding a stick and, uh, <laughs> and it's just like, and, uh, and so, <laughs> it's like, the, yeah, it's just like, like, it's not like the mantis is just like That's sitting the best there. part of the whole film. It's great. Cause like, he's like, oh, he, he, he knows what he's doing there. And the mantis is like, yeah, sure, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's like, I'm just trying to eat this bug. And, uh, and so I, I thought that man whole like, mantis is like, why are you fucking with me right now? Well, cause it's he's just like, here's like, a stick. Do something with a stick. Yeah. Cause it's just holding this, it's holding a stick. Because it was in the vicinity of the mantis and it just thought it was food and it's like, oh fuck, it's not. Well, I'm not going to exert any other energy. I'm just going to hold it like sort of in my claw real quick. That's it. And the guy was like, oh, that's a good stance. That's what the, that, okay, that sequence is great. Which it's is really fun. One of the, all right. So like all the animal styles you've ever heard of that you thought were just part oh, of man, general get ready martial for, arts. Get it ready for animal styles coming up. With like a, Almost all that is wasn't real stuff in terms of the history of uh, Chinese real <laughs> no, kung fu. None of the stuff we're about to talk like, about is real like, stuff. It was like, invented for the movies, but they put an enormous amount of work into it. Where like some of it became real martial arts styles Dude, over the I, years. I, I don't know <laughs> how in the hell they got a praying man. I mean, praying mantises I, that I've seen in like documentary, like uh, you know planet earth kind of stuff where uh they're just like they're usually very still i'm assuming because they're frightened to like you know half to death of course and uh and so like oh you you heard about me uh killing and eating uh the last person i had sex with me okay <laughs> shit i was like oh shit oh shit. Like, I'll, I'll hold the stick i'll hold the stick i'm out of here yeah uh but like i <laughs> she shit on my bed she shit on my bed <laughs> <laughs> Two Johnny Depp references in uh, digital noise. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it's it's. It, I don't remember this movie. I I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. It's fine. You and, told me you fell asleep before it was even like started. You know what's so. funny is that this was actually not the one that I fell asleep through. To I fell asleep with the next one. And I do remember this one very well. All right, we're gonna move on though. Because, oh, thank like, God! This has like a couple bonus. Eighty-eight films puts together a great package. They do. There's a couple bonus features here with people talking about this film, as well as like a cool poster, a keep, cool. uh, a keep case, uh, slide case in here. Um, it's it's a cool set. But the next one we're talking about here is Monkey Kung Fu, which I was very disappointed that it wasn't Mad Monkey Kung Fu, which is a totally Aww. different film that is. Right from the start, like, hey, this guy knows Monkey Kung Fu, and that's all he does is, like, he does crazy monkey shit. And uh -huh. like, I, I remember seeing that stuff early in my Kung Fu thing and going, like, oh, my God, it's so great. I have a DVD of it. It's terrific. I was like, oh, I thought this was this. It is not this. In fact, it's uh, better known by the term stroke of death, which I'm familiar with. <laughs> I do that every day. That's just the story of my life. I, I tempt death every single night. <laughs> 
so Shyamalan Mantis is, I guess, a slow burn, if you will. Uh, this I, is it because I think it's a hilarious movie. I think this is great. I mean, it starts as more of a slow burn. Uh, yeah, right. I guess. Monkey Kung Fu is more like this is the uh, what's the what's the one with the two guys chained to each other? The classic American film. Oh, Brother uh, Arthur. No, the Defiant Ones. The the what? The Defiant Ones. The Defiant Ones. Oh, brother, where are they? I was just copying from that. There um, you go. Two ex-prisoners uh, who are chained to each other, uh, and they are uh, put in a chain gang. They escape. Uh, we see early on that one of them uh, in prison gets like, like is beating up an old dude, which is like, oh yeah, cool. And, like, oh yeah, I thought that whole thing ass, was gonna, yeah. And the old dude's like, oh, I respect you for me trying, you trying to beat me up. So here is my like secret. Half a pendant. Half a pendant medallion to like, that has the ultimate secrets of Kung Fu if you can only find the other half. And so they, he escapes with this other guy and they have a sort of like, I don't really like you. I don't really like you either type thing going on. Uh, it gets very comic. And ultimately, of course, you're like, I wonder who has the other half the pendant. Well, of course, it's the other guy. It's the other uh, actor in the I, movie. I mean, the, I had a lot of fun with this. I thought it yeah. was goofy. I thought the, the, the martial arts here are super fun and over the top. Oh, yeah. Although the monkey style doesn't even come into it till the last 10 minutes or so. Really. Well, they, they, they teach themselves that because they're like, we have to get drunk to do monkey style. And uh, which I've been uh, saying for 10 that. years. Yeah, that. I've yeah. been saying that for years. We're doing monkey style right now. We're doing monkey style right now. You have to be a tumbler, which I, I'm a tumbler. I, I have fallen on stage. I've done pratfalls. Oh, I could do monkey style. Oh, I thought you were talking about social media. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, I thought this was fun. I thought it was a, a kind of a blast to see these two actors because the main actor that you see, the, the, the main character, uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, he, he's like super smarmy. He's like, I'm good on my own. Like he's always talking about that. I was like, no, don't follow me. I'm, I'm fine. On my own. Don't do this. And the other guy comes in who I love that other actor. He's so good. Uh, and he's like, fuck off. He's like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. And uh and they ha- and there's this great sequence where they have to like they're trying like when they escape the chain gang and they have to like how do we break these chains and they come to this like middle worker who's like out in the middle of nowhere and they have this huge crazy fight scene with this middle worker guy and uh it is slapstick hilarious and great action at the same time like god damn it they th- th- these movies still proved to me and like even though i've watched i'm assuming 88 of them <laughs> <laughs> no that's um, just the name of the really uh, uh that like the the choreography that goes into these fi- these films and the, the and the, like i <laughs> look i can barely act okay you can barely move i can barely move <laughs> i like i i'm almost job of the hut <laughs> and the fact that that there is someone ever that is out there that can one act sort of worth a damn mm. and remember lines and they can do like blocking and choreography and, and blocking in scenes and then choreography and fighting that right there. It was like, fuck you. Like that is so great to see that. And they're still charismatic and so much fun. Like they do carry this movie and all these movies, they, they carry the movies through and through the fact that they can do these things and it's them. 
It's them doing it. There's no one else. It's not like a stunt yeah, double no stunt doing it. Yeah. yeah it, like they're the stuntmen. That was not the way it worked back then. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's fucking crazy. And like, so that's why, like, you know, when you watch mo- new movies now, when like, uh, with Charlie Theron doing Atomic Blonde or like Keanu Reeves doing fucking everything right now. And, uh, everyone doing their own action movie, like their own stunts and the Bob Odenkirk doing like, he's, I don't know, 108 and, uh, he's your age. And, uh, and no, so I, I'm, I'm much older. You have the same trainer. Yeah. And, uh, and so like them, people, actors oh, God, doing this, this like in America, <laughs> uh, so it's, achy. it is, it's all from this. And that's what I appreciate oh, yeah. about these films. No, I mean like anybody who's doing action. And takes it seriously. Takes it seriously, yeah. He is going back to the origin of good action, which mm-hmm. is this stuff. And it's not it's not stuff that was happening in America in the seventies with like Charlie Bronson and stuff like that. It was like no. it was not that. Because the options in me. Because like maybe occasionally they got the like story right and like the, the the grindhouse elements right. But like in terms of actual straight up filmed action, nobody was doing it better than what was going in the Shaw at this point, you know, like I, it was amazing and not all of them are great. Well, okay. I I have to say though, like every movie literally starts out the same way. No, I don't know about that. (laughs) Okay. It's, it's, there's one of two things. It's either, it starts off with a cold open of them practicing their fight. No, moves. no, no. They always do that. That was like a standard in the industry right then. Yeah. Where they do this thing where it's like a, clearly on a sound stage. Yeah. There's no back, real background where they're just doing the thing and then it freezes for credits right. and to do it. There's but. that. Or, uh, and more often, like, I think this is like kind of true through all of them is like warring factions and that's it. And, uh, <laughs> and so like it's, it's always the same goddamn like setup. It's just like, but what if? There was a guy that didn't like that. So I'd be curious to know if anybody has a, a recommendation, because I, I don't know, for a book specifically about the political aspect of all the films in the Shaw Brothers uh, series in the way that what were they trying to say? What was going on there? What was mm. the point? Why were they doing it that way? I'd be very interested in reading something that was really about that aspect because I, I mean that all that stuff you see it there but as someone who's you know far from an expert in chinese history it was going well, on i'm like I mean, really curious but like obviously even then it was like political manipulation to some degree like they were saying things a lot about how they felt about politics and often it went back and forth you'd be like one film would do this and go like well, clearly China feels this way. And then the very next film with the same studio and sometimes the same actors would have a totally different viewpoint. I'm like, uh, yeah, I think for the most part, it seems like the studio was trying to say that like feudalism was bad. And feudalism, uh, feudalism, is, it, is that the word? I don't think it is. That's like a thousand years earlier or something. <laughs> well, I mean, every fucking movie takes place in I don't even know when. Uh, and okay. I feel bad saying that. My experience is stronger than yours. I mean, you played fucking Bioshock Infinite. You saw the sequence where uh, they went to like the fucking Boxer Rebellion. You at least know that much, right? I've not played Bioshock. Uh, okay. All right. Anyway, this comes with an interview with the choreographer, uh, original trailer, audio commentary by people on the podcast on Fire Network who seem to be the go to guys for. Uh, Why are we not on that? 
because we don't exclusively do. Oh man, I, it feels like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like you do. <laughs> but you know, we're gonna go to the next one is Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. Arrow put this out. Arrow got the rights to one of the ones that is, I would say. In terms of Shaw Brothers films, the most iconic title outside of the five Venoms, maybe, uh, of like ones that people are like, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. You know, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, Quentin Tarantino certainly referenced a lot. Uh, the lead star of here, Gordon Liu, played a role in Kill Bill that was not entirely dissimilar in some ways to this. It's a film that I saw. I this problem, I, I think it's my third time seeing it. Really? But it's been a long time since I saw it before then. Like 60 years, something like that? 350. <laughs> longer than the movie's been out. <laughs> longer than it's been out. <laughs> you know, this is widely held up as one of the greatest of the Shaw Brothers. But films. you don't like it that much. I, I didn't say that. I said, I think that it's a little overrated. Uh, And I think one of the reasons is that it's a pretty dark fucking drama. And I tend to like the, in this period, like 19, this 1984, right? Very late for Shaw Brothers. Very late film for Shaw Brothers. And there's a lot more blood in this one, which is like, oh, there's a later one. And it's Gordon Lowe, who is like one of the legends of it. He played in Kill Bill, like a, pretty much a character that was designed to like remind you of this. Anybody who had seen this, film. he played uh, uh, the the mentor for uh, Beatrix Kiddo yeah. in volume two. And he played the head of the crazy 88 gang in the first one. And he's directed by Lau Kar Lung, who has gone on, who did an enormous amount of input into martial arts films as well as even American action films. Uh, and here's the worst thing about this film is that it, it had Alexander Fu, who I've talked about in previous mm. additional noises as the guy who was going to be Jackie Chan before Jackie Chan came along. Cause he was so funny. He was so, he had like the rubber face. He was like really good at like using props for stunt comedy type stuff who died in a car accident. He died in a car accident during the making of this film. Mm-hmm. And so the film changed because of that. The idea here, well, why don't you tell the plot of this one? I've been telling the plot. Do it. I okay. Know. He's like, I've challenged you. Okay. So you, there are two warring factions. Uh-huh. Me and you. <laughs> Which is, again, true. Uh, but there is this, this one faction who are the rebels who have basically like seven seven brothers that are kick-ass, I think it's right? seven, yeah. Yeah, seven. And uh, they're going to lead the charge with uh fighting against the the mongols yeah when it starts it's like a fight against them yeah it's like straight up like it's like oh god what is that video game series uh dynasty warriors yes yeah exactly that's totally what it is i don't know why i know that but i actually do know what you're talking about oh this is a dynasty warriors this is dynasty Dynasty warriors (laughs) uh and sounds like skirmish boo and uh and so um out of all the the, like it's funny because like you the the you could you could argue that the the title sequence is like forty five minutes in because anytime a new actor comes in, it has uh, it freezes, to it freezes, like, and then it's just like as someone someone else, and we're like, oh, it, it keeps doing that. Yeah, it's just like, is this raising Arizona? Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> and so, uh, the, there are seven brothers who go in, in here and who are going to fight the good fight. Uh, five out of seven die. 
spoilers, you're about 40 years late. And uh, and then two brothers, uh, Gordon Lau and the other guy you're talking about that uh, tragically died in the car wreck. Um, it tells the two stories of those two who survive uh, from this like horrific, crazy uh, skirmish and battle. And uh, one of them who is like basically going crazy, the guy who died in the car wreck, and Gordon Lau, who does who basically wants to denounce violence altogether and become a monk. Or trying to as much as possible. And, uh, and then his family, who is basically the only family he has left is his mother and his two sisters, who is number eight and number nine. And, um, and so they are taking upon themselves to like kind of lead the charge of basically they're the rebels against the, uh, the, the bad guys who's like the empire basically. If you watch this film, you haven't seen a lot of Shaw Brothers films, you think, oh, this feels like a rare example where the women get to lead. Like stand mm-hmm. up and lead, but actually there was a lot of this going on. Independent because yeah. there's just as many ones where it was like I'm standing up. Oh fuck off, sit down. Uh, type films. And this is one where it was like, oh no, the women are actually kind of badass in this movie. Yeah, like the the, the number number eight. Uh, she is a uh, fucking badass, and I and she's in a couple other movies that we've seen so far. And uh, she, uh, I that actress, she's always fucking fantastic. And it's, it's a, it's a really fun movie. Uh, I mean, granted, I understand it's like a very dark subject matter. You, where you liked it a lot more than I did. Because I did. I did. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a dark, very serious film. It's it interesting. Very seriously. I, I was, I was kind of t- taken off guard, uh, or caught off guard because I didn't know that it was like, oh, these are like, pensive characters that are trying to figure out like what to do what more Gordon Lau than anything else. But like the, 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 the crazy brother, which is a terrible thing to say, but like the, the, that, the, how dare I on digital noise, uh, that character basically losing grip with reality because he has so much trauma from the battle, which I'm like, you know, I'm glad that at least in 19, something and uh 84 uh that it was describing someone who went through such a traumatic battle where he lost literally his entire family for for the most part uh in one battle in front of him and then him having to acclimate back to like society with at least like his family or like his one of the biggest problems of this film though is that the character there like played by alexander fu who's the one who died he doesn't have an end to his storyline. Yeah, yeah. He's just, it just does not end well. They just it's, write him out of the story because yeah. they had no choice. Well, right, right. You know, I mean, and audiences at the time of this came out went, this is in bad taste and didn't like it yeah. when it came out. Now, in retrospect, this is, I mean, it's almost iconic, the name of this film alone. Right. The diagram pole, pole Fighter is considered to be like one of those things like if you're calling, if you're trying to pretend like you know something about Hong Kong films, you'll be like, oh, I've seen a, a uh, what is it? Uh, a Diagram Pole Fighter. <laughs> like, I, I have uh, to admit okay. also, I did not get the title of the movie. Because the, uh, the, the A Diagram Pole Fighting doesn't even come up to the last like 10 minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah, I was just like. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a stick with chains in between segments that divides into eight parts. Was like, that a thing in the end? Yeah, it happens in here at one point. Yeah. God damn it! I'm sorry. No, like, it's weird that that's even there. But what's also weird is that like the, the like the other guy, Gordon Lowe, like goes in and basically 
not sexually, but rapes a monastery. Okay. It well, just you're, goes you're, you're using that term very, I very... I know, but, but he hold does. Hold on, hold on. Sexually. No, he does. And he comes in, he's like, I'm going to be a monk. And they're like, that's not how this works. You can't just be a monk. He's like, fuck you, I'm a monk. And he's like, you're going to train me and do all this stuff. And he's like, no, I won't. And he's like, literally like throttling people and shit. Like, I'm going to be a monk. And well, like, oh God, Jesus he, he, Here's what I love about it is that, because he's like, always clean shaven anyway on his head and uh which not I, always well no i get well but, but he's wearing a wig the entire time and he's like okay. i need to get this wig off now i will say as a man or as a person that is slowly going bald myself slowly slowly uh, shut up I and uh you've receded an inch since we started this podcast oh man this goddamn <laughs> headphones um <laughs> so i i uh i wonder oh no uh, watching the 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 scene where gordon lao like he's trying to become a monk and he has to like in a way sacrifice something and so he needs to do it himself so he has to shave his own head and like that scene i will say like that scene is like wow that is actually really good because mainly because the makeup and the special and the the makeup department is like i it also makes you cringe because he has to burn shit in his head. Oh, like, that part is really fucked like, up. Oh, God, but it's fuck. it's more about like using the fake razor thing that he had he has to use. It's yeah. like it's basically made out of tinfoil. Uh, but yeah. like using it and like the way that it looks when he's shaving it, it is really well done. Like the 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 practical effects in this movie is actually kind of fantastic. No, I agree, and I think all the acting is great in this movie. I think if anything, because this is so light and Shaw Brothers, it's weird that it's so dramatic because at this point it felt like most of the industry was going a different way. Uh, this was like right at the tail end of Shaw Brothers even being a thing. And yet it's weird this is like held up as one of the great ones. I don't, weird, right? I don't think this is one of the best Shaw Brothers movies. But it is a great introduction to Gordon Lyle. Oh, sure. It's a terrible introduction to uh, uh, Alexander Fu, who did so much great comedy stuff here. He was being held up. Lao Kar Lung, who directed this among many other great martial arts films even both before and after this was the guy who brought comedy and slapstick into martial arts like it's weird that he directed this it's weird this actor is in this film and i prefer his comedy input output and here there he was like oh well he goes crazy but it's not funny it's sad and traumatic it's like it's sad yeah yeah but i get it they're like we need a rubber face guy to go crazy i'm like "Mm -hmm, yeah i mean it it feels like they're that's what is so different about these movies or about this from all the other movies i've seen so far from the shaw brothers is like oh this seems like serious yeah I, I could show you some other serious stuff. I'll loan you my please, shawl scope set if you want. Please, no, no, don't. Okay. This uh, this era. Unless you want me to take a nap. And then, there's a oh, commentary oh. by Jonathan Clements. There's Tony Raines, a uh, longtime uh, arrow guy from uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter for 23 minutes. Analysis by him. Interview with Gordon Lau that was filmed mm. in 2004. Interview with Lily Lee, another actress in here, was filmed in 2004. Interview with Young Ching Ching, filmed by again in 2004. A tribute to Fu Sheng that was produced by the Shaw Brothers as a short that played before screenings of this in some markets. It was sourced from a German uh, dubbed version of it. Mm. Alternate mm. opening credits, trailer gallery, image gallery. I mean, it's a solid 
like entry in this uh, film series, but like, I guess it comes down to be like, like my own personal taste. I'm like, I always say like, I love, I ate dagger and pole fighter. I'm like, do I though? I like eight diagram. I ask fighter. that question every day of myself. All right. Do well, I really let's like, let's just move on to you being diagram. weird and talk about Robocop. On the let's do it. I'm sorry. Are you done? I love RoboCop. I, of course you. Everyone loves RoboCop except for people who are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm right. So I definitely love this movie. So Arrow put out uh, two different versions of this, actually. Uh, there's a steel box and uh, a regular limited ed- edition here. They're both in 4K. I mean, there's been... This has got to be one of the most re-re-re-re-released films of all time. I... Yeah, I, I probably. Own, I think I own three different re-releases. I own the Criterion version of this. Yeah, I think I do too. Yeah, yeah. That's wait, no, wait. There's maybe I don't. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, that's because you're a loser. <laughs> it's on DVD. It's actually like number six on Criterion. So, is this a good movie? Yes. Why? I'm challenging you. This is interesting. I'm not, I'm not saying no. I'm challenging you to defend this as a good movie. So, because there are people I know who go, I, I've had this conversation with people. Sure. Who like, you guys are like, I get that it's a satire sort yeah. of like of capitalism, but it's not a good movie. I've had that discussion with people where I'm like, but. <sighs> okay. Okay. So, why is this a really good movie? So, one, it is very well filmed. Okay. There's the first part. Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven. Two, it is, it is the hero's journey. It is, it's Jesus. Them dying and then coming back. Yeah, it is basically Jesus. It's not really the hero's journey. Well, okay. Well, okay. Let's just say it's Jesus' journey. Decidedly not the hero's journey. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, it's not the hero's journey. No, not at all. Yeah, it really isn't. Uh, actually, I think about it, I, everything I just said was really yeah, stupid. It's more Jesus' journey. It's just yeah. Jesus' journey. But uh, Jesus' like journey is actually still a good story. A band in the 80s that people liked that I did not like. So it's <laughs> it's those two elements. Then Jesus' journey. Jesus' journey. Dun, 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 dun. No, no, this is like more of like a, a Christian like rock band, just like That's not Jesus' coming. journey. Dun, 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 dun. Gonna rise from the grave after three days. Uh, it's like faintly metal. It's like a tiny bit of metal. Dun, 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 dun. Just spike those metals in my wrist. Okay, so, uh, so, um, I don't know what just happened. So, that. uh, oh my God. Okay, here's the thing, too. Everyone in the movie, the actors, they commit to it. They That's do? why it's really good. And here's why all, for the most part, uh, Parvahoven movies work is because one, all, all don't do, don't go all. I said the caveat for the most part, and I'm including Shergos in the, uh, so mm. I think that everyone commits to it because they understand what this is, the satire that it is. And, uh, like, the what's the the bad guy's name the the not 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 the the corporate guy but the the uh red from uh that 70s show the oh the, uh kurtwood smith kurtwood smith yeah clarence boddicker clarence boddicker one of the most iconic villains ever fantastic yeah everyone no question. Un- i think everyone understands what this is 
And uh, it's one of the few films that you like, you could like just, you're on the cusp of being a bad movie, but everyone knows what this is and commits hard enough to it and understands the satire of what it is, of the ridiculousness of the, the violence and the, uh, the social satire that it's going for that it, it, I don't know how Paul weirdly Paul, transcends it. All. It transcends all of it. Because this is like every aspect of this film is the same aspects in really bad films from this exact period. Mm-hmm. It's like everything about this movie shouldn't work, but like, their heaven has this not. It's not even overt. You know what it is? It's he like the, the subtext is. Is stays subtext just enough? Like mm-hmm. he finds that perfect balance of like where it's like okay, we're you know what we're talking about here, right? Like where it's just enough where it's not preaching to you, but like also the action is really fun and the violence is for the time for a wide release Hollywood film was absurdly violent right like just insanely violent to get to get an originally an x rating it was like holy shit i remember like that moment where they blow fucking peter weller's arm off and it's just like fuck watching in the theater which i did because i'm old and went like what the fuck is happening right now because you just didn't expect it that's what's so great about this movie is that like again All the elements in this movie is like they took such great care in like the acting, the directing, the way this shot. The music is fantastic. I own the soundtrack to this. Of course, vinyl. And uh, but But also, also, tell me about the other movies you own soundtracks to on vinyl. So that proves nothing. Oh my god, Uh, I'll I'll tell you fucking right now. Some other time, some other. Um, but some bad films though. I'm just gonna say. Uh, wait, what? Yeah, didn't you buy one for one? We did a trash in the can episode for. Wait, which one did I do? Uh, oh, Ninja. Oh, New York Ninja. Yeah. It's great. No, it's not. It's a great soundtrack. It's not. It's great. You're it's, wrong. It's really great. Anyway. Um, but also the practical effects are, look, I, I said that. F- They're phenomenal. Fucking phenomenal. They're so good. They're so great. Dude, like, I will. And what, what's the guy? I, the, was, I will be permanently haunted by the scene of the dude, like, falls into the nuclear waste and it's like walking around like, oh, I'm mutated. And then fucking gets hit by the car and just dissolves. That was like, I've had nightmares about that repeatedly throughout my Since life. Since you were like 62? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I, I saw this movie, for the X-rated version, those scenes, yeah. when I was like 16. Because my friend said, like, I have the X-rated version of Robocop. I was like, okay. That points where Peter Weller's uh, spike penetrates Nancy Island. Well, th- this is this is before I went to the <laughs> the, 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 the porn shop. He fists her with uh, a spike. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they'll fix, they'll fix anyone. Uh, <laughs> and so... Jeez, uh, but uh, I, this movie has stayed with me for so long. And I do love this movie. And also, I do love Paul Verhoeven uh, for... Uh, mainly showgirls because he oh that was God, like the it's so terrible stop I love that it's boy. so awful no. why where is the 4k release release the 4k release I'll, i'm gonna say this this is the best bad movie ever made robocop yeah this is the you don't best think this is a good movie bad movie ever made. no 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 you don't understand 
best bad movie ever made. It wants to be a bad movie mm. that is elevating the what a bad movie is. And I think I maybe get what you're kinda, saying. I, I I think that like it was one of the first people uh, like films to do it, and it really is that it still holds up as that. Mm-hmm. You watch it and you're like. Oh, this is decidedly a bad movie on so many levels, not in terms of like technically, but mm-hmm. everything it's indulging in. Mm-hmm. But everything makes sense in the context of it. I think that where, where the movie transcends is uh is the scene where um the cops turn on Robocop. Mm-hmm. And he has to like crawl between all the different like uh the floors of the the parking lot sure like that scene i think like it's a kind of an overlooked scene uh for the film because it's like there's so many iconic scenes in this movie like that scene right there i think is like that right there that's i think one of the most important sequences or scenes in the entire film to show like no this is for real this is something that like that does transcend the schlockiness of what this is, where like the guy's doing blow with the two girls, and then uh, what's his face, uh, C- Clarence comes in and blows him up and all yeah. this shit. But like Robocop being try- being killed by the Romans, um, and I, I think you could write a whole book just on how this evolved, all the stuff that this movie took from previous trash films yeah and made it work as a, a proper hollywood film in a way it, that was like didn't sacrifice anything to it, do it yeah but it like made it work because of the sheer talent of everybody involved it's 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 truly incredible like it, it is uh definitely lightning in a bottle it is dead lightning in a bottle and uh and it's, it's i mean it's like, great it's like part of the trilogy of Verhoeven's dystopian reality films, yeah. Total Recall and Starship Troopers. Yeah. I think this is the best of the three, personally. Oh, totally. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, all three are worth watching and relate to each other in some sort of way. Like yeah, in terms yeah. Of, of like a subtext. Uh, th- but, you know, Arrow is putting this out as a 4K release. The first ever 4K release of Robocop. And I'll be honest, I don't think it was a great transfer. It's an okay transfer. The, what is the other thing that we watched uh, that we thought was a pretty good, tra- oh, uh, honestly, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was actually a little bit better to look at. was a much better looking version. It was actually better Because there are points here where it has that like insect, like swarm on screen feel like to it where you're like, uh, yeah, you on know? the, on the, 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 the blacks and the, the, yeah. like the darker grays. Yeah, like yeah. it's, that's the thing is like you can tell, like when we were watching uh, the last time, um, on uh, episode two, um, uh, American Wolf, Werewolf in London, when you can see that, like the graininess in the 4K, and like, okay, uh, well, the transfer wasn't that good, wasn't so that good. I get it. What, what's going on here? I mean, this and like, I own the Blu-ray. I actually have the Blu-ray set of all three of the Robocop films here, which only the first one. There were really three. Good. You know that there were three. Don't don't try and act all. Was Kane in the second? <laughs> the second one is kind of worth watching the third one is totally not worth the watching. the look look the third one is uh starring uh oh the guy who played thinner in thinner oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. and the second one was was it still peter weller i don't say it was still peter weller i think so. i don't know for sure i think it was i think it was uh but what's his face plays kane yeah uh, the bad guy in that honestly there's a wasn't that written by frank miller yes it was yeah, yeah. Frank Miller uh, had a cameo in it too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Robocop 2, I'm like, 
There are some parts and like that that movie is even more gnarly. That movie's trying to do the thing you do with the sequel, like get more gnarly, take it to the next level. Because as a kid, just like doing drugs, like and like putting that sh- like nuke but him I, but in I his think it fucking neck. Like, like you said, this movie's lightning in a bottle. It was really like, how did this even work? And the second movie is proof of the first movie being lightning in a bottle. I was like, mm. yeah, you're, I see what you're doing. I see why you're trying really hard to make this work in the same way, but there's yeah. no way to do it's this. Like, again. Stop it. You can't do it. Stop again. it. You can't do this again. Like you <laughs> almost got it, but like Paul Verhoeven just has his idea of America, which is yeah. extremely accurate yeah. of just like, we're all dumb. We all want to talk about shit. And capitalism and- is going to kill us all and capitalism is going to kill us all uh so the this disc is two disc set comes with the director's cut here in the first disc with three commentaries including archival commentary by verhoven ex- executive producer john davison and co-writer ed newmeyer a new commentary Ooh, by film historian paul m salmon and a new commentary by fans weird christopher griffiths gary smart and eastwood allen full disclosure i did not listen to those um, there's a new interview here. Wait, hold on. Wait, did you listen to any of the commentaries on these? Things? I did in the past. I listened to the archival interview in the past. I have done that. It was good. Uh, the future of law enforcement, a new interview with co-writer Michael Miner, Robo talk, a new conversation with co between that co-writer and filmmakers, David Burke and Nic- Nicholas McCarthy, truth of character, a new interview with Nancy Allen. Yay, Nancy Allen. Yay, Nancy Allen. Uh, casting old Detroit, a uh, new interview with casting director, Julie Selzer. Man, they're just like casting around for anybody they can talk to here <laughs> so to speak uh connecting the shorts 11 11 minute interview with second unit director mark goldblatt I okay mark yeah goldblatt. you're right yeah. they were just like hey so you were around when robocop was made right like yeah like why don't you on the 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 blu-ray copy of this come on let's go it's analog for 13 minutes with a new feature right with peter coran and kevin kuchaver discussing the pre-cgi old school effects if you will uh, what's uh, Philip Tilbit? What's his guy? The guy's name that did the the animation for Ed uh, two o nine or whatever that guy the the Ed two o nine. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it was like totally stop motion, like uh, it was fantastic. Uh, and stuff. Yeah, more man than the machine composing Robocop for twelve minutes. A new piece that focuses on Basil Paladoris, who also did the one of the greatest soundtracks of all time, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Robo props, a new tour of the collection of a uh, of a fan, Julian Dumont, who is just a batshit crazy collection of RoboCop stuff. Uh, 2012 Q&A with the filmmakers, uh, and then a bunch of archival featurettes. I mean, this is like an exhaustive collection here. And there's a second disc here that comes with the original theatrical cut, Boom. as well as the edited for television version and just a set that's just like here's just the alternate scenes for 20 minutes of the alternate like the version that was for television if you're like i'm not going to rewatch this with just like the fucking censored for tv version if you just want to watch the the scenes they film differently for tv you can watch like 18 and a half minutes of like oh that's interesting i wouldn't mind watching that because like if you don't want the direct director's cut fuck you nerd (laughs) and uh but also uh because like you're watching the rated x version like watch murphy's head getting blown and uh and watch the guy getting wiped out by the car because he's toxic waste and uh and watch the guy get pulled 
pulverized uh, by bullets like crazy in the 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 boardroom thing. That's the only X-rated versions of like everything we're talking about here in Robocop. That's the only three three three, three scenes, and uh, so I would like to watch those extra things that they did to skirt those things. Yeah, that would be interesting to see like what else that they thought of to like. Well, what's a better way to show a guy getting just destroyed by bullets? Like, I mean. Bullets that are the size of your fucking head. Yeah. Right. What's the best way to show that on TNT that no longer will exist soon? I have a serious question to ask you right now. Oh, my God, please. We're at the end of the episode. No. And we usually do the best of, uh, you know, the show. Uh What's the the pick of the week? Is there any possible call that it's not RoboCop? Um, the, The closest thing beyond RoboCop. He's pulling out the whole actual physical I have, stuff. I have the physical copies. He's banging on the table. That's sorry what the, we do. Sorry for right being unaware of the effect of things banging on the table. Look, I'm I am a few whiskeys in. Two uh, LDK is the only other thing I'd be. Like, I was going to okay. say two LDK. Yeah. Um, that is the closest thing beyond uh, RoboCop because RoboCop just has a special place in my heart. Just generally, yeah, but the package is amazing. It's, it's great. Just an amazing package. The worst thing I can say about it is like. I feel like this could be a better 4K presentation, but it's uh, still yeah. better than the previously existing Blu-ray presentation. God so. damn it. I just, I just wish that like Criterion gotten on the ball with like owning the rights to it. Yeah. And if they did a, f- like a, their own Criterion, that uh, shit. Once again, why do you keep going back to like thinking Criterion's better at what they do than Arrow? Cause I don't think they are. Because out of self my God, you're such like a brand pretension. Boy. Brand boy. Oh, I'm a total brand boy, brand baby. Boy. Uh, like if they would have done actually that, kind of like a, I think Arrow does a better job on most releases. Than but but here's what I'm saying is like if they did it, yeah. that means it's like ooh, if that would have been so like pretentious and everyone had been like so no, crazy been about more it. Mad if they had fucked up the 4K. Yeah, but I don't think they would have fucked up the 4K. Yeah, maybe. I don't think they would have. I think the guys at Arrow do a pretty good job at that. Well, they didn't with for Robocop. It's still pretty good, goddammit. You just said it was fucked up. I just said it wasn't as good as it should be. My point? Much like your dick. I mean, unless, you know, you have some sort of criteria that you wanted to... Switch. Oh, yeah, that's better. I take it back. Well, It's a pretty good dick. But yeah, 2LDK, that's How do we good... even record this like this? How do we... Wait, what? Like the Just... angle doesn't make sense with our innuendo. <laughs> <laughs>